0: Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to another episode of Horace Hour. I'm your host, Singh. With me, as always, my venerable sigilite, like Varela. Well there. How you doing today, Varela? I'm...ite. am Good. Good. As you once said to uh, New York Times best-selling author. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun the other day. We just finished filming a video for the Patreon which is a Primark Hunger Games scenario, uh, which I, I we will give no spoilers here, because we're not in a spoiler section, but, man, it was not the outcome we were expecting. <laughs> Safe to say.
1: I, I may or may not be disappointed, to be fair.
0: <laughs> I, think we're, I think it all will be. And on that note, I just want to say thank you again to the Patreons, uh, who are helping us support the podcast, and helping us get the books so we can keep doing these episodes. Now, last time we did a Dark Angels full novel, I waffled a lot, and I apologize to those first Legion fans out there who spent the first 15 minutes waiting for something to do with their Legion to happen. So, we will jump into it straight away by asking a Dark Angels super superfan, Varela, here what he thought of the book, having recently finished it.
1: Wait, you were going to start by me? Damn, that's a new one. Alright, um... Uh... I mean, I thought I thought it was pretty good, you know. the the whole um, switching every other chapter to a different perspective was pretty cool. I reckon, uh, you know, re- really giving us the uh, both the fallen angels' side of the coin as well as the regular dark angels' uh, side was, you know, pretty good. Dichotomy is that the word? I don't know.
0: I wouldn't know. That's a big word. That's a
1: big word. I, I'm not. I don't know, man. I don't speak English. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, do do I also give my rating? (laughs)
0: Uh, I guess I'll just give my initial thoughts as well. Build up some suspense. I think... Well, here's a question I have for you. Does finishing this book make Descent of Angels better?
1: I'm going to be honest, I don't think so. Everybody's been saying that, but honestly, although it builds on the other book, I don't think it really influences my thoughts on the first book much or at all. I I I could see them being linked, but to me they look like separate books that just follow each other, you know, that just one's after the other and that's it. Um so yeah, I I don't think I don't think it really really changes my view on the first one.
0: That's fair enough. I think also a lot of people might not have liked I think you like Descent of Angels, whereas some people kind of seem to be um, apathetic towards it. And then having read so that's Descent of Angels. Sorry, such similar titles. I keep getting them mixed up. And then reading Fallen Angels, and then maybe going back, they've enjoyed Descent of Angels more uh, on a reread, having read Fallen Angels. So, but you've enjoyed both of them, which is probably testament to a fact that if you read them one after the other, you might you might enjoy them a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I thought it was an. I thought it was it was an extremely interesting book. Uh, every book you know is def- defying my expectations i've yet to read a book about like a legion that has that i've not been that interested in and have it not changed my mind i've usually always found myself very interested and excited by the idea of what's going to happen with the legions through the humanization of the characters and such and the dark angels for me were sort of a little bit on the fringe they were like a little bit too secretive me, I think they still are in 40k but in 30k they're really interesting, they're a legion that are a force to be reckoned with although we haven't really seen that yet because obviously the loyalist contingent of the Dark Angels in this book is based on a story of a very small number of them, but yeah, no, I thought it tied in really well with Descent of Angels, I enjoyed you know, going back I didn't have time to read it again before doing Fallen Angels but Descent of Angels was a lot now feels like rewarded to me um and, and it was like a sort of almost like a prequel to this so this is a strong book I'm going to let Varela give his rating well I think because at the same time you know not necessarily my favourite book but it's a tall order in the Horus Heresy so Varela what's your what's your rating as a Dark Angels fan
1: uh if I remember correctly I gave an 8.7 to the Sent of Angels um you know I, I I don't wanna I don't wanna upset everybody because everybody seems to agree that this is a far better book so I'm just gonna say eight point eight there you go
0: <laughs> okay you've done me dirty here because I can't recall at all I, I my ratings are done in the moment and we really should write them down but then it, like I said last time we'd have to go through 15 minutes of waffle before we found it um yeah so uh we'll obviously do viewer ratings as well after we've done our own we've mixed it up this time that's my bad uh I'm gonna give it a 7.4 and that may well be lower than descent of angels but i i liked i i will say that descent of angels was an origin story and i thought that was a really fresh take in the horus heresy having read what i'd read so far was all space marines bashing each other now it's that was you know a hu- a story about humanity um and had some deeper meanings. So that's why I'll give it a Uh, 7.3 or whatever I just said. Um, Wow. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I mean, what can I say? Not the biggest, not the biggest Dark Angels fan, right? Let's run to
1: the Ultramarines ones. There you go. I can't wait for them tens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd just like to remind everyone that technically Blood Angel, I do collect Blood Angels so but they only get a couple of novels but yeah the ultra ones they're going to be pretty high I reckon (laughs) okay Lord Doran gives this an 8.5 out of 10 he says good book adds to the descent of angels yes Uh, and makes the first book a lot better so I agree Varela doesn't necessarily agree but it's not It's not a hard disagree, is it, brother? It's just it hasn't had the same effect for you.
1: Nah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously still connected, like I said, but it's more of a one follows the other kind of thing. I don't think it really alters it.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, The Miniatures Apothecary himself is here. Uh, He says, It's been a while since I read this one, but I'd probably give it a solid 9 out of 10. I replied to him saying that is a high... You know, he's too positive for the rest of us, I'm telling you, because a solid for me is like a seven and you know solid for him is a nine he's just he's so positive and i love it um vaxed and waxed Chaz. what a name says nine out of ten solid story zahariel is shown to be fallible nemiol is still way more awesome if i asked you in one word you have to one word for ella having read both of books who's your favorite character zahariel or nemiol now
1: Wait, but the, how, how? I mean, yeah, the response could only be one word because it'd be a name, right?
0: Exactly. I mean, you've already taken many more words, the, proving yourself does false. Does it have just, to be the, just
1: Sahariel and Nymul?
0: Well, I mean, they're 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 like cousins. They're the, they're the mainstay of characters through these two books, the POVs. Yeah,
1: but what if I liked another
0: uh, character more? Well, I was just asking you to pick. <laughs> you've now used about fifty words okay, for a okay. one-word answer. Uh, Nemuel. Interesting. <laughs> uh, moving on. So, Jim. Jim here. Unlucky with the Euros, by the way, Jim. Um, Scotland bowing out in the end. Uh, so, he says far better than Descent. Obviously, ties in as a duo. So, he agrees with you, rather. Um, the campaign on Diamat, I think, was one of the better written incursions in the series. A seven point five, almost an eight. I I respect that. I think the combat in the Dark Angel in this book, as a military historian, it you know the Dark Angels have had some of the best sort of like combat sequences in the. I'm not going to start a YouTube channel where it's military historian reacts to, but I I will agree that the the combat on Diamant is really well written and sort of it's tactically sound what they're doing. Apart from the uh, Fast and the Furious moment, so Dylan, the irregular, he says he gave it an eight point five because it, and he has self he has a self-admitted uh, Dark Angels bias tax because he's a big fan, um, and it made the first book better, so it's the same score uh, for him. Boris the Blurst, he's coming in with a with a hot take, it is a four out of ten. Uh, because he says the, the later Dark Angel stuff is much better I appreciate that Boris because I think it's it's um, it's good to keep perspective hence why I'm saving all my nines for the ultra <laughs> 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 uh, you know it's important It's important to take into account everything you've read in the heresy some people will have not uh, read very much some people have done all of it and are doing our, our, our ratings so I appreciate that he's probably got a not a lot of knowledge um and a lot to to draw from hence why he's given it a a harsher mark but i respect that um you uh comes in with an eight out of ten does tie in nicely with descent. Uh, after listening to your latest two dark angels podcasts it makes me want to reread them again keep up the good work we try our best Peaky. thank you for the kind words and oh gosh Ian or Yian apologies mate you've got a very interesting name on Twitter I can't quite read it um, 8.6 out of 10 tied up some of the threads from Descent and fleshed out the characters a bit would go to an 8.9 out of 10 if this and Descent had been released consecutively that's an interesting one isn't it I mean when we spoke to Graham McNeil and you said "I to him After one of the best please. (laughs) Uh, The Prospero Burns and Thousand Sons are to my knowledge the only books that were ever and unfortunately they weren't, but were the only books ever planned to be released in tandem. And I think these two probably could have done well to to be released back to back. And I, I understand that there's probably some reservation because like the podcast as much as I'd like to do a whole series on the Dark Angels and try and cover everything that happens to them, you've got to diversify a little bit. So I think the Horus Heresy obviously needed diversity. The Thousand Sons and Prospero Burns is about two very different legions, but what do you reckon, Varela? I think it was probably just from the standpoint that they needed to to diversify the portfolio.
1: Wait, sorry, can you say again? uh...
0: Yeah, so... uh... Ian says that they should have been released consecutively
1: oh, uh, well I don't really have a view on that because for me they essentially were <laughs>
0: that's fair, that's fair Yeah, I, I, as a lot of people who listen you're doing it for the first time they, they're they eagerly awaiting the Siege of Terror books so that they can stay up to date so it's yeah, that's probably just a different perspective uh, Leaky Cheese has uh, dropped a rating for us as well he says I really enjoyed this one after the Odyssey that was Descent of Angels I felt like my effort was rewarded with a story that drew on its best elements. Yeah, he did. Reference uh, Zahariel Bingo, I think, was uh, what Leakey wrote on his uh, Descent of Angels review. Uh, the parallel story t- storytelling between the Lion and events on Caliban was done really well. Nine Death Worlds out of ten Loyalists. There you go. Wait, how uh, many
1: how many Loyalists is one Death World, though?
0: i'm not familiar my gcse maths didn't go into that conversion we just did imperial to metric and vice versa but
1: it's an important question though
0: (laughs) surely maybe this is like i've done i've done imperial to metric but i haven't done imperium to metric there you go true true true. see i'm telling you man they never teach you anything useful in maths i could have done (laughs) with imperium to metric um Geeks with Shields podcast thank you for stopping by in our ratings guys so they say so it didn't leave the same impression that Descent of Angels did but it's still highly enjoyable 8 out of 10 I want to go out on a limb and say maybe they share my uh, opinion of the sort of origin story and the humanity side before we get into the Astartes bashing the, and then Toy Soldier Harry who's a big Dark Angels fan I know he says he really needs to read this one again. It's probably been a decade since I first read it. How old would you have been a decade ago, Varela? Uh,
1: I would have been 12, almost 13, there to you be
0: go. fair. But... There you go, Harry. Didn't mean to make you feel old, mate. But uh, <laughs> but I don't recall it being much better than Descent of Angels. Maybe a 7 out of 10, question mark. Nowhere near as good as Dark Angel's story, As the Lion, Angels of Caliban, Lionel Johnson or Luther has a lot of names. That's a lot of books after names, but I, I have heard that supposedly the Primark books, which are not nec- which aren't official Horus heresy novels, but are basically set during the great crusade, um, prior to them being found by the emperor, whatever, are some of the best stuff. Like I uh, have learned the, the secrets of the Alpha Legion from the new book uh, on Alpharius. So, Maybe one day, maybe one day. We're still much like Horus. We're still pushing hard towards terror but hopefully it won't take us seven years. Um. I mean that wraps up our our ratings. Were there anything there that you agree with? Anything that you disagree with? In the nature of a of a good old debate.
1: Uh, I mean, I'd like to say yeah, but no, not really. You know, in, in this case, I don't think there's anything. You do love a good agree.
0: friendly argument. So uh when he says that he hasn't got any problems with anything he means it guys that's he'll tell you if he uh if he disagrees which uh, I do appreciate now should we get into a spoiler section brother yeah let's go okay you have been warned everyone we are now in spoiler territory let's talk dark angels now i'll 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 open up by asking the question you say you like Nemiel more yeah than the two i know you have some other you might have other characters you like more but overall looking at the whole book which story half did you enjoy more did you enjoy diamat or did you enjoy caliban more
1: i mean there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of bias here right because i got to see the big boys in red themselves beating a bunch of space marines up, right? Even if they're loyalists, even if they're one of my favorite legions, right? Oh, of course, yeah. So... You just
0: want to remind everyone there what, what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, so there, there's plenty of scenes where um, Skatari Praetorians, which are like... Imagine rat ogres, but they're actually Mechanicum. I, I think that's the best comparison, at least in my head. So sure. essentially, there are these massive half-machine guys that are completely drugged up on combat stims, at some point, so many combat sims that when they wear off, they just die. Uh, and oh they just go to town. Well, they don't go to town. The first fight they have is more or less uh, balanced. Like, they injured a couple of Space Marines, a couple of Praetorians die, you know? Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. And then on the second fight, the Space... Since it's Nemuel Squad, like, and they're sort of so ready, they kind of just completely destroy the Praetorians, I'm guessing, because, you know, story. But while that's happening... Um, the Praetorians are, like, infiltrated in the Space Marine ranks, essentially, and they just absolutely destroy the entire Space Marine contingent, uh, close to the end. Not the entire Space Marine contingent, there's obviously still a lot of survivors, but, you know, um, and while it was a cowardly move, it's still, you know, Red Boy's beating up some, some people, what can I say? I I like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously, obviously the, uh. I'm fortunate for the Dark Angels, and we have to, you know. I was mainly hoping for you to remind us that you are a Mechanicum fan over any Space Marine Legion. Indeed. Whilst the Dark Angels are your favourite Space Marine Legion, the Mechanicum your favourite faction. He's a. Do you guys know he's a coder?
1: I code, guys.
0: (laughs) It's for Dream, right? It's for Dream. You get shipped to Mars. Get rid of all this wasteful. Human flesh and organs that are gonna kill you eventually. Oh, dude, just I'm not live.
1: gonna lie. I would actually kind of love to have bionic like arms and legs, mostly. Really? It's not, not that mine are horrible. Interesting. Uh, but you know. Anything else? <laughs> Probably like, a, like have like a, a hydraulic like a, arm that you can just punch through metal or some shit. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I reckon an artificial liver would be pretty good as well. Oh, true. <laughs> you just That'd keep going be... and going. Get absolutely warhammered
1: hell oh, yeah dude
0: like what I did there sips tea
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah I noticed I was very on the nose I'm gonna be honest <laughs>
0: um, yeah for, for me as well I think I think I found Diamat a much more interesting sort of arc I do think I like Nemuel as well I know where his character arc ends up um, which uh, will be interesting for you to see now, you had a pretty strong theory going into this. We're, t- we're doing pretty broad strokes at the moment without going into too much detail, but you had a theory last episode, didn't you?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, um, I was only, like, I don't know, chapter 13 or 14, roundabout, uh, and from what I could see, uh, Nemiel was questioning the lion a lot, and Zahariel was questioning Luther a lot, so my main, um, you know... Theory, I guess, um, was that Zahariel was going to become a regular uh, dark angel and Nemuel would become a fallen. Uh, but by the end, um, Zahariel was still questioning Luther, but not as much. He was kind of falling in with the fallen angels, and Nemuel just essentially stopped caring and just started bashing skulls with his because that's what he does now. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm no longer sure whether or not. That will come to pass, but there's still a possibility that at least Sahar will, you know, returns to the Dark Angels. I, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I think. <laughs> it's <laughs> another theory there. That's definitely also going to have a reaction.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, y- you are gonna share?
0: You did no oh, no. You've definitely said something there. I did. Oh. Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is he on the nose or not? I mean, the people at home know, know exactly what happens. So we'll have to wait and see. That's, good. That's a long way out, unfortunately. We'll have to wait a while to find out because there's a lot of middle ground to cover before we move to that stage of a heresy. Damn. Um, but yeah, I, I I like Nemiel's character development a lot. Over the two books, it starts to sort of... And to see where he ends up without giving anything away, he's, he's very much on a path which multiple authors have taken him through and it's a it's a good trajectory of almost he basically gets left behind sorry he doesn't get left behind on caliban but he gets left behind with a line he doesn't get sent away and basically he's ended up in a position that he didn't expect to be by being uh he's is he, he's not a chaplain is he what yeah are they clustered? A, are they uh, a chaplain in the dark angels
1: yeah it's a chaplain
0: yeah and because so he fought oh, sorry. he fought a particular battle with such fervor um he's basically been encouraged into that position through his peers rather than the fact that he had uh, an absolute hard-on for the imperial truth so and by the end of the book you start seeing that start to see that coming through um he, he does start to get um a lot more interest in sort of the imperial truth is yeah, as you say his loyalty wavers less and less and i think he's still because at the start of the diamac campaign he's still kind of critical of the lion in some ways not you know maybe critical is a strong word but he's not afraid to question the lion's decisions and ask him why have we done this why have we done that when if he if he has a differing opinion and yeah then which towards to be he-
1: fair might be what what's about to save him from becoming a fallen i think the fact that he doesn't just unquestioningly follow the lion, you know, he, but it, you know, he still has a lot of respect for him, I think.
0: So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you see it a lot in, in the books. The authors always do it relatively well when the, the first time that they actually, a character, especially if it's a space marine, ends up having to fight another space marine, that actually tends to weigh relatively heavy on their minds. And I think perhaps upon seeing the treachery firsthand, um, nemiel starts to make a decision that he doesn't have time to question and he needs to get on board with the line with the line needs to be backed um, meanwhile on the flip side I guess we can talk about uh, Zahariel who is almost stumbling up the ladders of treason really in this book um, is it just a case of wrong place wrong time
1: I think it very much is because if Zaharyal had stuck with uh, the Primarch, you would have never seen him. Um, for example, when he's on that library with a bunch of other uh, high-ranking Marines, and this Raphael is like, "You're you're talking, you're talking nonsense. What are you doing?" And then they just shoot him with a plasma gun. Uh, and you know, Zahariel instead of you know going like he would before he was exiled, just jump and start fist fighting Luther or something. Um, he kind of helps them restrain his Raphael further, you know? Uh, yeah. And even stops his Raphael before he gets shot uh, from um, using his psychic powers. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely, you know... That's the part... That's the bit where I went like, okay, maybe they won't switch, but there's still a possibility because there's still some doubt in Zahariel's mind. He's still going like, okay, we've just done this, but, like, should we really have done it, you know? Uh, so, while... You know, I still, I still hold the possibility of what I said. Um, I, I, I think that it's possible that what I said is going to happen, right? But I don't think it's very likely anymore, which is what I was saying a bit ago. But, yeah.
0: You basically, like, perfectly described uh, the moment where Anakin uh, chops off Mace Windu's hand.
1: Yeah, yeah, in essentially. It's that little fork in the road where you don't... The, the book ends where you don't really know where he's going to go, but he's already really far... He's not really far down one path, but he's, like, taking the first steps into one of the paths. You know, he's still mm. got time to go around, and you know, go back onto the other path, but, you know, he's already... You can still a pull a Yui. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dark Angels fans right now listening definitely will be following what you make of Zahariel's journey with great interest going forward I'm sure once we get to those books but it's very interesting and it was not at all where I expected um, what I expected to happen by the way and I guarantee you you're going to be surprised Um, yeah uh, and obviously we get to see a character return from the short story that we just that we did um, due to a scheduling scheduling issue Um, we're very fortunate that the Call of the Lion was there to fill the fill the place, and we got a little bit of a look at Astolan. Um, Did that change? Because you were sort of still were were you reading Fallen Angels at the time of when we did that short story episode, or you did not started yet?
1: No, yeah, I, I was already, I was already like three quarters of the way of the way through, I think. Um, did maybe
0: that, a little bit less, but yeah. Did that? Just out of the curiosity, did the did that short story do anything for you with Astalan? Did it change? how you thought of him a little bit? Because it's quite, it's quite a 180 that he pulls, basically, in this book compared to where he is in that short story. I,
1: I haven't gotten to the part where he pulls the 180. So I, mm. I want to say no, mostly because in Fallen Angels, I think he's not really that important of a character. Like, he doesn't really no, you're, you're have right, that much yeah. influence. So it was more like a background character. Uh, and when we talked about that uh, short story... I was like oh this guy's actually kind of interesting I, I i wish they you know developed him more in the actual story because essentially what you see him do is uh he's there right and just out of nowhere he goes like yeah screw, screw earth who cares about terra I'll, it's luther all the way you know we gotta save this random planet that they sent me to uh and yeah it's kind exactly. of it's kind of weird to be fair i think that's one of the more negative sides of the book the way they treat that character
0: I think not. To, it's not a complete contradiction of what you said, but I do believe early on it's established by Zahariel. Like, Zahariel zooming around on a little buggy, around a big, the big military complex or whatever he's zooming around on. Um, and he's thinking about... He does talk about Astalan quite early on in the book um, and sort of how Astalan's loyalty has changed over time. It, it, I think you're right. I think... I've just had a look and they both... The short story anthology that, it comes, that Call of the Lion comes from and this book came out in the same year, so I'm not sure how much coordination time they actually had to put it together. It almost feels like we need another one, right? We need Call of the Lion to introduce Astalan, then another one about him and how he feels about being sent back, even if it's a very short story, and then maybe it, then by Fallen Angels it kind of makes his arc, actually. I mean, also, we're spending a fair amount of time talking about a character that I find quite small, but it was interesting, um, given that he was in that short story.
1: Yeah, and, I, you know, I, even though he's a small character here, it feels like they're building the stage for him to do something big in the future. Uh, so, I, I don't that's know if correct. that's... It, it, it is correct, all right.
0: Well, I, I know yeah. he's... Yep. he's still... Do, he will do stuff, I think. Um, okay. And I think maybe... I think he might have been a character that was around before the Horus Heresy novel series was written not to try and give anything away too much
1: alright alright but yeah that it is what it feels like it feels like you know he's a minor character here but it feels like they're building him up a little bit uh, yeah. even if it's not much they're, they're like name dropping him a lot and he's going on all of these adventures with Zahariel uh,
0: mm.
1: and they always go like oh yeah it's this guy remember it's this guy that went on that so it really feels like he's going to do something
0: um, yeah no I mean, I don't, I don't, is there anything else because I always leave you to the end and then we have to cram a load of stuff because I don't let you pick all the topics or, or pick more topics, I usually hog hog the mic in that sense is there anything early on relative in the first half of the episode here that big plot points that you find particularly interesting and want to talk about
1: Um, I mean in the whole book, there would be something, but you know, uh, I don't know. For the be- the beginning of the book doesn't really have that many big ha- uh, incidents. You got the uh, Sigma Five One Seven or whatever it's called, and before I actually got it right first try, I I don't have it in front of me. I swear. <laughs> I also don't know if I got it right, but yeah. On, uh, it is Sigma Five One Seven. Holy shit! All right, I found it. <laughs> all right. There you go. Um, like, there's that whole incident where um, you know, they find out that. Some people are apparently, you know, corrupted by the warp, even though they don't really know that's what it is. They just call it a taint in Caliban. Um, yeah. And they go after those guys, and, you know, there's a bunch of ritualistic murder next to some big-ass worms uh, that they have to murder. Uh, some dude gets cut in half. Some Astarte gets cut in half and somehow survives it. That, that was pretty that was pretty badass, to be fair.
0: Space Marines can take it like a champ, mate. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to kill a Space Marine.
1: Uh, I, I I wonder if um if they get cut in half like that if their legs run around like a headless chicken you know that would be pretty funny
0: Primaris pr- Marines probably have like a spare brain in the thigh so that the legs can continue to operate
1: Primaris Marines you can just mount them back up like Lego you just put it on top and it just yeah. gets back together
0: Not only does it cauterize blood but it re yeah they can regrow <laughs> all the nerves and everything why not There was a reason in the Patreon video we call Belisarius called Deus Ex Machina but yeah. I don't want to come off as a salty 30k fan, I still think Primaris are cool um, if if not for some interesting choices in their introduction um, yeah, uh, it was a bit it was, it was we used to do a spook meter way back when, but uh, I think it was kind of intended to be a little bit scary, it kind of came off as ominous for me when they enter that facility and it's empty. Yeah, because there's no... And it was kind of like, where is everyone? I'm like, mate, you're in a Warhammer novel. They're all dead. There's no (laughs) no need to beat about the bush here. We all know everyone's dead. Oh, but they weren't
1: all dead. That's the thing.
0: Well... Okay, the vast majority of people... I mean, not not everyone's dead in Warhammer 40k, are they? The vast (laughs) majority of people usually are in any novel. Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, fair. So... It's kind of like, doesn't really... You know and it's like if a uh, you know when they do scary sections with space marines it would take a lot to actually make me feel like the space marine was also scared it's kind of like if they do a horror movie and there are army people in it i don't i don't get scared or like doctor who back in the day right the first time they did the weeping angels if you know what they are couldn't watch that episode cuz i was quite young when it came out i was like no i'm not going near that and then they they brought them back but it was with like a load of army guys were hunting them and i was like oh i can get on board with this and it was many of be still it was still quite a scary episode but because were, all the good guys had guns i was like that's fine so i didn't i didn't really feel like these dark angels were particularly scared of anything
1: i'm pretty sure you just called back the phobia of many uh former children <laughs> of statues now <laughs> with that reference I sure, that's true i sure as all remember the, uh, that that was like one of the only episodes of doctor who i've ever seen because i don't kill me or anything but i don't like it very much um uh, please don't hurt me <laughs> but but like yeah that was one of the only episodes i watched as a kid and i, I was so scared of any kind of statue for a while after that's completely off topic though.
0: that is true a, but yeah i think british kids liked doctor who out of national pride more than anything else not necessarily plot <laughs> or any um but yeah so it's well where were we the tunnels i mean we're I like jumping back and forth in these podcasts now. I find it a lot more uh, refreshing. And to stick to stick with Caliban, to sort of see the proper introduction of Cypher and the... Basically, I don't know, Luther's basically corrupting himself, right, over the course of a book. He doesn't actually feature that much because he's doing weird stuff in his tower.
1: He's doing some reading.
0: Yeah, and some... Rune inscription on his skin
1: uh-huh. I wonder that... who else has done that
0: Does it mean we have to give Luthor a rat rating I think people kind of like Luthor I think a lot of people are sort of uh, Can relate to Luthor Dark Angels fans But uh, ultimately he's just a bit of a stroppy kid really isn't he uh, I mean he is, is a little bit much? of a rat
1: as well But to be fair yeah he's got you know He's got good reason to be a rat Kind of <laughs> Not really, but I, you know. I
0: don't know. The question I would ask, right? Because obviously, people watching this in the spoiler section know uh, they've been fans of Forty K and over Dark Angels fall. Half of them, over half of them fall um, as part under Luthor's command. Now, the question I would say to determine whether Luther is indeed a rat: Let's say Lionel Johnson came back, and he was like, "You know what, Luther? I agree with you. Let's put Caliban first. Let's get all let's get our trees replanted, and let's make this place great again. I'll take the lead. Would Lufa be okay with that, or would he just be like, "No, no, no I support the Emperor now"? Um, and it, it turns out he's just against the lion because he's salty.
1: I I, I, f- I think it's just the second one. He's just against the lion. I don't think he would straight up swap his, you know, um. Allegiance to the emperor. I'm pretty sure he would still try to protect Caliban, but he would still be in a note of "oh fuck this guy." And, yeah, and like so. Yeah. Um. So
0: it's it's a rat rating then.
1: It's a rat rating. All right. Um, well,
0: surely, if because he's like he's basically just done the opposite of what the lion is, because and it, but there's reason for him too. He likes Ca- he liked Caliban how it was. He liked what he and the lion had done. I think he was aware that the Lion probably couldn't have done the uniting of Caliban in a peaceful manner without Luther. So in that knowledge, he feels like he has a place there. But if a Lion came back and he didn't, and the Lion wanted to, to do what Luther was doing, same ideology, but the Lion was going to take the lead and Luther's not going to support that, surely a rat.
1: I don't know. I think it depends on how the Lion would do it. But m- most of why Luther has done what he's done is really out of jealousy slash envy of the Lion. Because he's like, oh, without me, the Lion wouldn't have been able to do all that he's done. Like, yeah, he would have been found by the Emperor and all, but he wouldn't be nearly as successful on Caliban itself without me. But nobody acknowledges that. Uh, like, I-, I think that's one of the reasons he takes uh, Zahariel under his wing. Because Zahariel before... Um, all of the latest events happened. Already recognized Luther's value. You know, it was like, yeah. oh yeah, without this guy, you know, the lion might be a great dude, but he's kind of, kind of social and he's kind of socially inept. You know, he can't really talk to people. So without this guy, you wouldn't have been able to do what he did. Um, so this guy's really important. Um, but nobody recognizes that. It's the whole. Again, you don't even need to play the old Bingo. You could probably f- play the Scent of Angels Bingo. Uh, like for every time that Luther's underestimation by the Calibanite people is mentioned, you know, you gotta take a shot or something. Yeah, because uh, it happens so many times. Uh, but yeah, well,
0: we can add that. We can add that to our. We really should uh, put a patent on Warhammered, a uh, Warhammer Forty K drinking game, <laughs> and it's like a card. You go go read Descent of Angels out loud, and every time uh, you hear Luthor being disrespected by his peers, well, I, I you know, it it just brings back. I can't get away from Astoland here. It's like how we know that the Terran Space Marines probably don't think of Luthor very highly necessarily because he's because he's not one of them. He's just. He's just sort of like an upgraded human. He's not a neo-human or whatever Astartes like to call themselves. He's not a super soldier. He's kind of just like a very... An excellent soldier because he's on roids, basically. Um, so, you know, that's that would be... I feel like there was a chunk missed out almost. Because in this book, Luthor just spends a lot of his time sat in this tower. Whereas I think we could have had a bit more... We would have had to have had a, t- a time jump, obviously, but Luthor entrenching himself in all the Terran marines on Caliban because we just start the book and all the Terran marines like Luthor now and will probably do what he says. Whereas most Space Marines, like if an ultramarine was told by Gilliman, I'm gonna, Gilliman was like, right, we're going to go try and go to Terra. You need to stay here and train up all the ultramarines. If your Primarch tells you that, nothing's going to make you change your mind. So is it a question that the Dark Angels are just um, fallible to persuasion? Or is Luther just that good a spokesperson and everyone's been underrating him this whole time?
1: I don't even think it's just Luther is that good as a spokesperson. There, I think there's like two or three factors here. There's the fact that he's really good at po- politicking slash being a spokesperson, right? Uh, okay. There's the fact that the Lion himself... Kind of recognizes his value by putting him second in command, even though he's not even in his right? Mm. So he's essentially a second. It, 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 imagine if the Dark Angels were already a chapter, he's essentially a second, um, chapter master in the Dark Angel structure, you know. Um, and then there's also the fact that even though Luther has this really horrible, you know, situation, at least to someone who's part of a legion, uh, his first mentality and the one he maintains for most of it is the whole oh, we might be in this shitty situation, but we're Space Marines. We're, we're you know, the Dark Angels. We're going to do the best we can. And he really pushes everyone to the limit, even though they're just in Caliban training some recruits. And I'm guessing it doesn't really matter if it's, if it was a Ultramarine, if it was a Dark Angel, if it was a White Scars. I don't think it would matter. If any of the Legions were put into this situation, I think the same would happen. If a man like Luther is leading them, that is. Okay, you know?
0: yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't think any chapter has well apart from the mega rats <laughs> I mean you know the direct comparison is Corferon. but he's useless compared to Lufa he can clean Lufa's boots but you know it's too it's you know you do actually see that when we do the word bearers novels you'll have to see because people just treat people are just assholes to Corferon on and I love it um I mean what we can do is we' we'll, we'll, we'll round up talking about Caliban we'll talk about what happens on Diamant and then I'd probably like to finish off with a bit of a, a, a talk on the lion and if he is all that because I don't think he is the, so Caliban what do you make, what do you make of Caliban, because you te- you, you're much better at reading between the lines than me so, Caliban the taint of Caliban the there's a big evil chaos demon worm which they seem to have on retainer now what does that mean for caliban what what is the sort of most basic way of explaining what has happened to that planet and what's on that planet Uh, in your eyes
1: in terms of what has happened to that planet i couldn't do anything but speculate like could be literally anything it could have been like i don't know it could have been a maiden world that you know went a little bit too deep Uh, into the, you know, traditional Eldari ways Uh, and, you know, got kind of tainted. It could be a myriad of things. But in terms of uh, what the taint itself is, uh, I don't think it's necessarily the demon. I I think it's more of a thing where, uh, oh, what was that planet? There's a planet in A Thousand Suns, uh, the first one, uh, where there's that, that whole, you know, that whole structure... Um,
0: I have, I'm have. i very fortunate to have a copy of Thousand Suns right here. <laughs> Bear with me.
1: Okay, but yeah, there's that planet where there's that whole structure where they're like, oh yeah, this is like an entrance into the Aguru. warp. A Agoru. A yeah, that's it. Uh, there's this whole entrance uh, into the warp that the Eldari just kind of cut off. And, you know, it might have that same explanation that it was a maiden world where they delved a little bit too much into some Drukhari um, ways.
0: <laughs> Illicit activities.
1: yeah. Uh, and you know it opened that kind of small rift between worlds. I think it's more that than the demon itself.
0: Um yeah, yeah, yeah. But the demon, the demon's interesting, and the fact that it it's not gone away, yeah, is kind of worrying. They basically they do have it available.
1: But yeah, I think I think it's more that you know, kind of. I, 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 it might have not even been that. It might just be a natural phenomenon that happens in some places. You know, where the, yeah. the film between worlds is just way too thin and stuff can spill. You know, uh, did you
0: notice with that demon, the um, that it's sort of the big cliffhanger moment is that Sahariel hears its real name.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. And
0: it, and it's so interesting. Actually, it's something that's kind of like an underrated point. Now, spoilers for some of the 40k uh, novels here. Just a heads up. I believe it was the Beckwin. I haven't read it. I really, I really should. Uh, Read the Eisenhorn and the Beckwin and everything, but you know we talk about Constantine Valdor is trying to learn the Emperor's true name to get, and it's it's so crazy, isn't it? How because it's just something that came out of a thousand or it's come out of Prospero Burns, right? Something that now it, it may have existed in the law for forty years for all I know, but for me, the first time I heard about using in like for, in Warhammer, you gain someone, gain control over someone by learning their name, is in. Prospero Burns, right? And it's all just spiraled from there. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, you know, I was a, a wiki boy, a wiki dweller. Uh, I say
0: that. Sorry, I say that. But this book came out before Prospero Burns, oh, so the, I don't know if it may. It it sounds like a it's something that's come out of the writers' room. Sounds like, you know, an idea that they've all come up with together. So, I don't want to, you know you know uh credit purely on one person now cuz it sort of seems like something that they probably all work together on and we'd have to ask them if we get the chance but uh sorry go on you were saying
1: uh, i was saying as a wiki dweller i'd never seen anything uh mentioning that um but but then yeah the first time i've ever heard of anything like that was in prospero burns yeah um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it may be so, a new concept uh for all i know
0: yeah so it's uh Certainly, you know, having a crazy demon that's infesting your planet that you're able to summon up doesn't bode well for anyone who tries to retake Caliban. Um, now, you know, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot in between, isn't there? On, on Caliban alone, there's quite a lot going on. But I mean, I think all the cool action moments on that happened on Diamat deserve a decent amount of credit here, because the I don't know how you felt, you know, but the combat just felt sort of right in this book. The diamond engagement, the inferior numbers the Dark Angels have and their tactics to reflect this, the impact um, that a force multiplier like a dreadnought can have really sort of felt, you know, had weight in this book. I don't know if you agree.
1: No, I definitely agree. There's that scene where they're assaulting the uh, Southern Gate, um, and the way they go about it is you know really clever uh when uh, i think it's sergeant cole right that's his name um when he goes like oh yeah we could just walk into the front door and ask him to go in i was like wait is, he, is that actually a joke just like nimuel did and then he goes like no i'm serious and you know i had to do a double take and I, I had to think about it a little bit i couldn't figure it out and then i read the next line and it's like oh yeah they got into two to apcs and they're just driving down this this no man's land at full speed
0: <laughs> I I like how they have to modify them as well just to get everyone in. I like yeah. to think that they just I like to think that the floors got taken off and they're all like dangling there with their feet out because <laughs> there's no so can't fit in it otherwise.
1: <laughs> they were just sitting with their legs outstretched like in a uh, little puzzle formation. They got like their leg up the uh, center of the other guy's leg in front of them. Oh well, like a
0: game of Twister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to fit in there. Yeah, yeah. There was very much a. Uh, a battlefield moment when they go through the front gate with those two cars. Yeah. Um uh, though you yeah, know it was re- it was really cool. And um it was a credit to how powerful Astartes are again where despite the fact that those Mechanicum forces got the complete drop on all of them, I mean Astartes you there's there's a there's a, a moment in a certain book about ultramarines oh, it's pretty cool not to go on about ultramarines all the time, but uh, how space marines can react in the time it takes for someone to drop a hat, basically. It's, you know, the Mechanicum, basically, they probably did the calculations, they were like, we have 0.845 seconds to kill as many of these guys before we are screwed. And so that's what happens, right? The space marines are basically Ambushed and then, like five minutes later, they're like, oh, "Okay, we've got a bit of a grip on the situation now. It's not great, uh, but we're still in relative fighting order." And I think,
1: I think Arcoy were- didn't really expect the Lion to just drop a melter bomb from orbit into his forge. Because if that didn't happen, I'm pretty sure they would have lost. Uh... Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You're about to say w-
0: something. Sorry. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I was probably just going to do a really bad Mechanicum impression again. <laughs> the
1: Thank God I stopped you.
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting here that I don't think they'd figured out what the Sons of Horus were. Well, no, I don't know why, but I think they described the Sons of Horus as white. Uh, they Maybe.
1: they described them as um pale, and then they they do mention that they're like a greenish white. Uh, yeah, I
0: don't think anyone had figured out. This may have still been before the miniature range was out, so I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone had figured out what color anything was going to be yet, really. They were like, okay, the Lunar Wolves are white. And then now the Sons of Horus are like a green thing. And they're like, but like, a light green thing? I don't know. It's Whatever. Something.
1: Just throw the word greenish at something.
0: <laughs> greenish, yeah. But uh, man, they should never have changed it. Should never have changed it. White is the Lunar Wolves color scheme. Excellent. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the they obviously really... I mean, they kind of mess up the uh, Sons of Horus... You know, it's not a massive force that comes in initially, but it still outnumbers them. But they do pretty well. They do pretty well for themselves. Um, it was it was something that I found. I don't really. What was the decision again? Why did they take so many few so few guys in the first place?
1: Uh, it's because they wanted it to be sort of a small-scale tactical operation because they didn't want to attract uh, Horace's attention or something.
0: Okay yeah I mean there you go I mean the tactics are kind of sound um, they probably overstayed their welcome is the only thing isn't it um, oh
1: they didn't have a choice they had to defend the uh, siege guns
0: yeah oh yeah <laughs> I mean so you know that that kind of brings Diamat to its conclusion and uh, <laughs> I was like that was an interesting bit at the end when he's uh He's talking to... And it's obviously another Primark. And it was like, this can't be good. And he's handing over... And he's like, I will give you these siege guns if you promise that they will be used to their full potential.
1: I, I was trying I was trying to figure out what Primark it was uh, before they actually said the name. And I couldn't do it. Uh, at one point, he does say that he's part of the Retribution Force. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is probably going to be a traitor primark and it's not conrad curse and that's about as far as i got i was kind of more leaning towards alfarius because uh, you know clandestine is as, as hell but True. yeah at the end there i i was definitely surprised by who it was uh although if it was conrad curse i'd be i would have been a lot more surprised <laughs> that would have been
0: funny yeah. <laughs> but it was also quite interesting we're now talking about the line now and how incompetent he is. Uh,
1: socially inept, that's my, not incompetent. That's for my man.
0: So many of the Primarchs are socially inept. Can you imagine if Dawn was able to make friends? Siege of Terror would be a different story. Yeah, but he can he can he,
1: still read people. The lion can't even do that.
0: Yeah. But it was interesting. I mean, the, the other big part of that final sentence is that the lion is angling. I mean, this is part. We're, we're at a phase of the heresy now, because obviously this is still very early doors. Istvan Five hasn't happened yet, but um, they just assume that the legions are, are going to go to Istvan because I mean it's happened a couple of times before. They've had to kill some legions off before, and it's obviously the you know the, the forgotten Primarchs. It seems to have been a pretty easy job because you wouldn't surely you wouldn't go down to Istvan Five with the confidence, of victory that those guys have if it hadn't been relatively easy for them to do before. And and they're so... The Lion is so over it already that he asks Perturabo to back him as the next Warmaster. And I was like, wow. Horus is not even cold in his grave, even though he's a traitor. And uh, he's not even in a grave yet. You've got to go kill him first. It's kind
1: of warm, still. So hold up. <laughs>
0: he's still pretty warm. He's pretty hot at the moment. Uh, Stan Horus. And the uh, the... <laughs> And he's trying, to, he's trying to angle for it, and I think it's interesting, because I think of who could have been Warmaster. I mean, in the lore, they give a few, but for me, for me, it was either going to be Horace or Gilliman, surely, right?
1: No, I think um, the Lion would have a shot, but not very likely. I think Dorne was the number two, though.
0: Oh, in the lore, it's Horace, or Gilliman. Horace Gilliman.
1: And Dorne. D- Dorne was... Dorn. Yeah, because yeah. in the first four books, he's always referred to as, you know, the second choice. Okay. As well.
0: I don't think he's flexible enough, is he? And it's like... It's like it's for ba- the two balanced Primarchs, isn't it? Whereas the lion, because this is the Dark Angels episode, I will, I will try and stick to the script. It, the lion is actually quite hot-headed in some ways. He can get very angry in the moment. <laughs> uh, Sending
1: half his legion to
0: <laughs> Yeah, mega tantrum. It's, uh, and I mean, obviously, the book's got to have ways to drive rifts in people. So obviously, we're talking within the context of what's happened, not whether they should have changed what had happened. What's what the law is? That's not that's not an argument worth having. But it, in terms of bad calls, bad takes mistakes, is the line up there as perhaps the Primark who was made the most?
1: Uh, for you? No, definitely not. I mean, they all made mistakes like that if you dig, if you dig deep enough, right? Uh, but I, I,
0: Sanguinius I, who? who? What's he done? <laughs> what's Sanguinius done, my
1: friend? He, he drinks blood, probably. Come on. <laughs> no,
0: no negative. Not yet. Not weird yet. Uh,
1: but yeah, like... Um, I, I think... Wasn't the Lion one of the last to be found as well? Because, uh, like, they always talk about how his legion, like, over by the end of it all, doesn't really have that much experience compared to a lot of the others and don't have as much glory and whatnot. Uh, so I, I, re- I reckon that a part, um, a part of all of this, even though he's, you know, strategically speaking, he's brilliant, like, he's one of the best Primarchs, Like, he doesn't have as much experience as someone like Horus, you know? Because Horus has been there, essentially, since the beginning. Uh, And he's been leading multiple legions right alongside the Emperor for years before they found another Primarch. Um, So, yeah, there's always that kind of, you know, experience. And then the fact that the Lion is completely socially inept. He can't talk to people. He's like me, but somehow worse. (laughs) Um... then I, I think, uh, even though the Lion would be like in the top five for Warmaster, I, I think my official list, I'm going to make an official list right now, all right, it would be Horus, Dorn Giliman, or Sanguinius, and then Lion, all right?
0: For Warmaster?
1: For Warmaster.
0: it's interesting.
1: I, th- I think that's the I think... list, because the other ones are either deranged or just, I don't know, man, they're, they just, they're just doing weird shit.
0: Can't work, don't work well with others. Yeah, uh, I would say.
1: like Jagatai Khan, like he's a uh, you know, I I'm going to leave more you like with like the comrade But uh, well, that's the deranged part.
0: I think Jagatai Khan, I can I kind of want to get to him cuz I haven't got we've got nothing from him because in the books he's always been uh he's so far. He's just like they're like where are the white scars out. <laughs> <laughs> so like just like you know, on the on the edge chilling. Um no I mean, oh, to keep it within the context of a line, I guess so. He, I've had a look on Reddit, and the post from 2015 says that he was found sort of almost right in the middle. Okay. So it was Horace, Russ, Redacted, Ferris, Fulgrim, Vulcan, Dawn, Gilliman... Magnus Sanguinius, Lionel Johnson, and then Percharabo, Mortarian Lorgar, the Khan, Kurz, Angron, Korax, redacted, which I don't think is true. I've just finished Deliverance Lost and there's something in there that contradicts that. And then Alfaris. Uh so he's I would say maybe he was in with a shout, but I think he's had he's actually had beef with a lot of Primarchs as well, which is why I just sort of it, it, socially inept is a good way to put it. But because he's, I think he's definitely fought Kurs already in the Great Crusade. He's had a smack around with K- Angron as well. They've had a bit of a fight, uh, like a skirmish. And it definitely not someone that I'd want at the head of the table. And then again, Perturabo says he will support him, but Perturabo's lying through his teeth. So I don't think anyone would actually back the line as a War Master.
1: Yeah, the main reason I put him that far up is because. Is again he's not Uh, straight up the range then he is strategically brilliant and as a war master you need to politic a little bit but if he hadn't done what he did to Luther he could definitely do that with Luther on the politicking side and him on the strategy side you know Um, best
0: of the rest shall we say yeah I have high standards for my Primarchs as (laughs) well being Blood Angel's favourite Ultramarines close second whereas you you you're happy to have your Primarch riding a dirt bike and well, the lion. Maybe some slight bias here from both of us.
1: I mean, I I put Jagatai Khan very far down on the War Master list, so...
0: Yeah. Now, in full reflection of what's happened, I mean, there is still more to come, but Angels of Caliban, which is sort of the resolution of all this, if you read any order list, is basically right towards the end. It's sort of in. takes place in the Imperial Secundus arc, which is which is sort of fills the gap right before they go. everyone starts going to terror. So we're a way away, but so far, the Lions' decision to send Luthor back, the big decision, is it a catastrophic error, or is he just unfortunate? Is it a catastrophic error on the Lions' part, or is it more that Luthor has ratted so hard since he's been sent back and he can't just follow his orders?
1: I think it's dumb. I, 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 Which
0: part? On, on whose behalf? On the lions back.
1: I understand the reasoning, but I think it's mostly dumb. It, it's dumb as a decision overall. First off, right? Like, why? Why would you do that? Right? It was just one thing. If you really want to punish him, like send him, send Luther, because he's the one that really you know done goofed. Yep. Um, and then after that, like if he just actually listened to the reports and went like, all right, you know what? I sent them there to do that job it's a really bad job but they still did it really well which shows that they still have some honor in them and they still you know they're still loyal to me All right let's bring them back you know if he just done that after I think the first mistake could have been fixed and maybe it would even have some positive um, effects it's like Luther's like okay like he, he punished me and these other starters, but you know he recognized my work he, he, he saw hmm. that I did a lot he saw that I really put my heart into a really shitty job. Again, it was really bad for an Um, But he, he brought me back. He recognized that I did a good job and he brought me back. Like, you know, he's actually, I, I, he's still, he still, even through all of this, I think that Luther still likes the lion, right? I think yeah. I think deep down he still has that brotherly love for the lion. It's just that he's been wronged so badly and for so long that... It's the
0: lion's the lion's stubbornness more than anything. Yeah, which, uh, and is it well the, the lion is an embodiment of like a, a knight for me. He's like you know everyone's got their whole thing. The dark angels are very clearly space knights, and the traditional flaws. If you're to give a knight a flaw, if you're writing it, whether it was like a you know a piece of classical writing from the medieval times. Uh, or, or anything it, for me is the hubris, is the pride, is the main problem. That's how bad guys get one up over the knights. Is they they play on them and they say you can never defeat me in a duel, and then it turns out they've got poison or something, and and they use that and it critically injures the knight. For example, B- bad say.
1: guys might be a bad word for <laughs> bad expression, but yeah, that's how the knights' enemies would get would get the drop on. Yeah, well,
0: sure. Like well, within like like an Arthurian tale the bad guy, yeah. would usually trick the knight. It, it, it's not like... It's very rare that anyone would write a knightly story back in the day and the knight just gets the crap beaten out of them. And kind of... That wouldn't make him seem as cool at the end when they come back around. But yeah, so that's essentially what, what they've given him. They've given him the... They've given him the pride. You know, a pride also being uh, multiple lions are also known as a pride. There you go. There's little fact bomb that probably everyone knew but uh yeah so that's why that's where the line fails and if if I'm going to add some weight to fail, what do we know what sort of roughly what amount of the legion is on Caliban percentage wise is it like half or is it more I, I, I said
1: more? half but it's not I think he sends back like 800 of them. yeah
0: but they recruit all the recruits at this time because you got to remember Lufus stopped sending people
1: I, I think, uh, if I remember correctly from this book, I think they stopped two rotations of recruits, and at this point, that's like 4,500 each. So it's still not that much compared to the Legion. But it, okay, because I was, was going to say
0: the Dark Angels, the Dark Angels as a force, as of 2020, um, hasn't been, I don't think it's been edited yet, have the second largest Legion at the start of the Horus Heresy. They are second only to the Ultramarines. They're sitting just shy of 200,000 Space Marines. So, I don't know what percentage of uh, of Luther's force... Uh, Luthor, sorry, what percentage of Space Marines Luther is able to turn. But if it's anything near that... Uh, uh, you know, near half of that, for example.
1: I do a really bad calculation uh, made out of nowhere. Uh, if I rounded up to 200,000, you'd have like 4.5% of the Legion in Caliban. Roundabout.
0: Okay. I mean, that's still a lot. That's a lot of Space Marines to lose... Because you're stubborn and yeah, you've been yeah mo- been a bit mean. Basically, mostly space the brains
1: line. that are really good at you know doing secret stuff.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you're a Dark Angels fan, you're going to back the line because they think he's awesome uh, and he's a master swordsman. Uh, if you have a brain, <laughs> that's a bit hard. Hold <laughs> on so... <laughs> If you think critically, perhaps the lion is not the one into and has probably makes some of the bigger mistakes in the heresy. Um, because his legion is gonna get tied up and it's something something that simple, you know, something that simple ultimately sticks around till forty K, they're still dealing with the, they're gonna be dealing with the fallout for this for a long time. So it's something food for thought. When you when you're done with the episode, have a think to yourself: was it was was the line right? And if he was right, was it worth it? So, I mean, brother, is there anything you want to cram in at the end of the episode, or have we have we got you covered?
1: Oh, I just wa- I just want to point out one thing: uh, the sure. the troops, the, the Imperial Army people from uh, from Diamat, are badass as shit. <laughs> the fire-
0: oh, that's true. We have like some cool colonel who. Yeah,
1: he's like. Just
0: rides. He's dead, but... I,
1: I, I, isn't it like the planetary governor or something? Like, it, he's just a veteran or whatever it is, and he just goes like, you know what, I'll take command of my troops personally. He puts on some carapace armor and, you know, somehow he survives the Praetorians, and then, you know, he ends up dead by the uh, Sons of Horus, but still. It, 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 the, the amount, the balls of steel on that man, dude. Like, damn. He
0: was, res- was respected by the Space Marines as well. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they were like, dude, damn.
0: Respect... <laughs> Respect. Uh, yeah, Imperial Governor Tad Tadius Kulik.
1: Yeah, that's the one. Mad yeah, respect a- for that guy.
0: Yeah. Now we're just gonna have to read like another account of Istvan and see if uh, there's some big siege guns turn up. <laughs> <laughs> Be like a character like oh, so glad I made it off of Istvan, nearly, or I'm away from the Dropsite massacre, and then they just see one of those bad boys being remote-controlled by an Iron Warrior, like,
1: <laughs> It's like in Star Wars, the Clone Wars, there's, like, the, uh, the CIS are retreating or whatever, and the, uh, clone army just turns their artillery guns into the air. It goes, like, well, screw you! Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody's, everybody in the Clone Wars, all the droids are gangster until those artillery pieces start pointing in the True.
1: End. Did you know that they actually put them on, like, Venators and stuff, and they opened, like, the belly of him, and then just shot him out of the belly.
0: <laughs> that is pretty badass. Oh, we need that moment in the Horus Heresy shortly we need a ship well to be fair ships don't really come into orbit in the Horus Heresy but maybe like a boarding action or they're trying to defend their ship and they just like drive a load of land raiders up into the and open up the hangars and just shoot shoot the land raider rounds out of it <laughs> that, and vindicate rounds that that would be cool to see uh, not much time left to make that happen we've got two books in the Horus Heresy left so maybe it's happened I don't know anyway I think we're uh We'll close the episode off there. Apologies if we didn't go into the into the minute details of the plot as much as possible, but I think when it came to you know we'd done three episodes on the Dark Angels now, it felt best to use this episode to cover the main events of a, a of the book, but also look at the Dark Angels' journey as a whole. And I think I think we have done that somewhere in the madness, Varela.
1: It was mostly just a chat, ain't it? Which ain't bad, uh, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what people sign up for. Well, let us know anyway, on Twitter, <laughs> dude. Let us know. Well, constructive criticism always welcome. Uh, but as I said before, if Varela disagrees with you, he'll back himself. <laughs> the, uh, and on that note, we've got uh, we'll have a short story episode next week. Um, that I'm going to put a poll up on Thursday instead of Thursday ratings. We'll do a poll uh, to see what short story people are interested in. We've got a couple of options, and then week after that is deliverance lost we'll get a proper look at the raven guard because we've only done a short story so far and are you excited for that for ali you haven't started the book yet but i just finished i it, have started and it was the very book. good i'm on like chapter oh, four
1: now your pace
0: is disturbing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah let's uh feel free to interact with us on twitter thank you patreons as always we have a Discord. I'm plugging everything here. There's a Discord and a pinned tweet if you want to come and talk to us. More than welcome to. And that's all for me. And I will say goodbye. I'm from Varela. I'll see you. Bye now.